il presidente. Ma cos'è la Hello and welcome back to Take a Left, the podcast from the Socialists and Democrats. Good morning to everybody. Uh, when we wanted to create this uh, committee, it was based on a very simple assessment. A hybrid warfare has been declared on our democracies, European democracies, and until now the response has been uh, quite weak and not efficient enough. While Vladimir Putin wages a brutal war against Ukraine, back in Russia his regime is curtailing media freedom. This is the endpoint of a Russian information war that has been going on for years. The European Parliament is stepping up the fight against interference by hostile authoritarian regimes, such as that of Putin. 18 months ago, the Parliament established a special committee, the Inge Committee, to investigate foreign interference and disinformation and to propose concrete countermeasures. It just published its findings. My colleague Inge Cherny in Strasbourg spoke to Raphael Glucksmann, the committee's chair, and Andreas Schieder, the S&D's negotiator on the file, about the fight against foreign interference to protect European democracies and the open society that we value so much. This week, uh, the European Parliament voted its final report on the Special Committee on Foreign Interference and Disinformation. But before we talk about the fundings and the recommendations, let's just start with the basics. What is disinformation? Raphael Glutzmann? You can believe that the uh, Earth is flat. It's your right. We live in democracy. But if you have a foreign country, for instance, that shape a campaign so that millions of citizens of Austria or France will start believing that uh, the Earth is flat, then we have an issue. So we don't want to create a ministry of truth. We know that opinions are relative and that's the basis of democracy. But what we cannot accept is when foreign actors launch campaign of disinformation to influence and destabilize our democratic debate. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the spirit of our committee. And why Western societies, Western open societies, are so vulnerable to disinformation? They are vulnerable because they are open. And, uh, and also because we have a tendency here in uh, European societies, in Western societies, to believe that the market can solve everything. For, for instance, we think, wow, how wonderful it is that we have all these social platforms and it can create a new agora in which we can all express our views and have finally a very democratic debate. This is partially true, actually. It allows participation, you can create movements of solidarity, but the algorithm of this uh, social platform and the owners of this social platform have created a model in which destabilization campaign, in which radicalization in which foreign interest in destabilizing our democracy can operate freely. And what we found out and what we pushed for, especially both of us, I must say, is that we need public intervention. We need public authorities to protect our common good, which is our democracy. The EU's Parliament set up a special committee to look into foreign interference and disinformation in the EU called the INGE Committee. It was established 18 months ago and it really came up from us, from our political family. 
Why? Why did the SND push for it? Andreas Schieder. We had the feeling and also evidence that our open society, liberal democracy is under pressure by disinformation campaigns. And uh, I have to say, when we looked even deeper in it, we discovered that the, the problem is much bigger than we expected at the beginning. Like, uh, we, we just spoke about these algorithms of social platforms, which is a mechanism, of course, the more controversial, the more weird the attempt is, the more clicks are produced and uh, offered by this algorithm. At the end, also, it makes the plat social media platform like Facebook, Google and others more rich also by promoting fake news. The other reason at the very beginning of this uh, committee and with the idea of our group to promote uh, the, the committee and to ask for it and to get it was simple. Is You take the elections and election after election after election in Europe you find out that you have a Russian hand behind some extremist far-right groups. And every time, people are surprised. Oh my God, Putin is financing this group, he's helping these far-right groups, and he wants to destabilize our democracies, so we are surprised. So we were fed up also with the idea that every time we would be surprised. So what, what we wanted is to establish a diagnosis, a general diagnosis, and to have recommendation because the, the biggest thing that we should do mm -hmm. is to, when we leave office, we leave the democracy as a whole in a better place than when we entered. And our idea in our group was that if we want to do that, to leave the European democracy in a better shape when we end up our mandate, then we need to protect it from its enemies. And yes, European democracy has enemies. In the light of Russia's attack against Ukraine, uh, don't you think that Inga Special Committee should have been established not one and a half year ago, but five or even ten years earlier? I think we should have uh, set it up a long time ago, of course. And, and European elites have lived in naivety and, and they didn't see the threat growing, the threat coming. And they were treating Putin's offensives every time as something just being foreign or far away. Yeah, Georgia is Georgia. Uh, Syria is Syria. Ukraine is Ukraine. And now we understand that's not the case. But at the same time, you had Putin's offensives inside our democracies. And, and naivety is already criminal when you don't support people who need assistance outside of your borders. But when you don't even defend your own institutions. During all these years, we had attacks, cyber attacks, very small reactions. We had destabilization campaign, troll factories in St. Petersburg, money pouring in, supporting anti-democratic movements in Europe. And against all of that, very little reaction. Even in this house, we were quite naive or we were ignoring the reality for, for a very long time. Uh, you may remember the daughter of Peskov, uh, Putin's spokesperson and one of the, 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 the main Russian uh, propagandists uh, was working here for one of the French uh, members of the European Parliament. 
probably having access to very important information. How was it possible? How can we prevent uh, uh, this from happening in the future? First of all, we have to wake up. And this report is a wake-up call, but also giving an guideline where we want to be in the future in order to protect our society. Secondly, also, even when you're awake and when you see the problem, sometimes, of course, mistakes still can happen. And I think what we should also not risk on the other side is our openness of the society. The answer of attack on the open democracy cannot be a closed shop, non-democratic model. This must be clear. And then, of course, this is always weaker on attacks than maybe dictatorships. But this is also, I think, is but it's the much more better model to live in, uh, also to say it clear. So sometimes this still could happen also in the future. But uh, I think the importance is we always thought, okay, it happened in the US to run on the capital and, and the other ones. We, we always thought it's far away. And now we see no. It is taking place, also Europe, the European democracy is attacked. And it's attacked from outside, naming and shaming, Russia, Putin, also others, China, Turkey, and, and other countries are also sometimes involved. Mm -hmm. But also they have their allies inside, as you mentioned, one we're working here, but also among the elected members. We have the contact of the extreme right parties. And of course, now uh, Mrs. Le Pen is uh, having big problems because the picture where she, let's say, was taking the money from Putin, where she was uh, embracing him, is now, of course, a problem in this atmosphere. But we have to make clear, this has been running for long and long, these contacts. And it's not only one weird Mrs. Le Pen. It is the FPÖ in Austria. It is the Lega in Italy. It's the AfD in Germany. There are strong ties. So uh, what? Uh, I, I want to add something because I think it's very important for those who are listening to this podcast to understand it. For a very long period, these people from the far right, they have managed to assert themselves as the true patriots. And they were shaming people from the left. Even like, You don't like your country, you don't like uh, our history, our nation, you are always excusing yourselves. We are proud Austrians, proud French, proud Germans, proud Spaniards, proud Italians. That's, that's their logic, yeah? And sometimes, you know, a social democratic voter could be a bit ashamed. I mean, maybe they love their country more than us and everything. But the truth is that these people who have actually made all their political gains on their pride to be from their nation are working for foreign tyrants. And that's the truth. They are not patriots. They are working against European interest and the interest of their nation serving, accepting money from a foreign regime that is totally hostile to the European principles and European long-term interests and European security and European sovereignty. Mm -hmm. But what concretely the report uh, proposed to avoid this in the future, this link between Russian disinformation and far-right uh, political parties? Do you propose anything concretely? There are a lot of concrete proposals in the report and they are around several groups of uh, problems or findings. The one is that there is a group of states, leader of states, which are interfering. Secondly, they are the allies from inside. Thirdly, there is 
an inbuilt uh, problem in the algorithms of the social media platforms and they have to be also more responsible uh, on, on these issues. Uh, and thirdly, or fourthly already, uh, fourthly, also the European Union did not build up any counter unity which is, is working against. So what are the answers? We we ask the algorithms of the of, of the social media platform to be more transparent, to stop also this, uh, let's say, hate speech screwing up, uh, and also to take their own responsibility on the impact which they have on the society and the democracy, mm-hmm. and to change something if they see something is negative, like this uh, whistleblower Francis Hogan, was also accusing very clearly. We ask the uh, European institutions to be more active, to work against, to investigate more. We think in a democratic way with involvement of the parliament. Otherwise, I think it would be a mistake too. So there is a lot of... uh, We ask for clear rules of party financing, more transparency, shell companies to, to work against. We are criticizing personally also this elite capture, so persons which are put in positions of, of, of foreign companies in order to be the spokespersons. And why, why do you think so many prominent former politicians actually work for Kremlin? Probably so. I, there, is, so there is a lot of psychology, but at the end it's the money also. And uh, yeah. Yeah, but it, it creates a real democratic issue because when you are in charge of the fate of uh, European democracy and you stop your mandate and just in the weeks after you end up working for companies that are not only private companies. They are the tools used by foreign authoritarian regime to uh, pursue their political agenda. I mean, when you speak about Huawei, for instance, it's not just a private company. It has to uh, obey to the national security law in Beijing, so it has to take orders from the Communist uh, Party. And same thing for Gazprom. If you go to work for Gazprom, you're not working just for a Norwegian company. You are working for a company that is actually at the heart of uh, Putin's regime. So there is a a need for for new rules, but there is also a need for... uh, ethical shake-up of uh, European elites, that you cannot, you simply cannot do that. And uh, and that's also in the report. And, and, and I, by the way, it's coming from every political party and in every country. And, and what I like is that in our group, we didn't uh, shy away from uh, naming also those who were coming from our political family. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the context now of uh, Russian Russia's uh, war against Ukraine. Do you think it was a good idea to ban um, Russian disinformation outlets like uh, Russia Today and Sputnik? For, for, for me, yes. For me, yes, because they are not media. Mm? Exactly. They're this is the, the point. They are not media. They're not functioning like normal media. Yeah, and, and, and actually the boss of, of uh, Russia Today is part of Putin's inner circle and she's, as well as the boss of Gazprom, She is part of the regime and in charge of the propaganda of the regime. So it's a, it's a, a propaganda tool that's aiming at destabilizing our country. But what we have analyzed in our, in our and it was quite interesting in our, in our committee, is that the Russian strategy is not always very clear politically. 
taking the example of Russia Today. Russia Today was covering in a most uh, supportive way all the meetings of uh, Vox party in Spain. But they were also promoting a lot uh, Catalan independentists. And, and, and you see, it's, it might look strange because you have very far away positions from both. But what Russia today is interested in is chaos. It's to create chaos. It's a chaos strategy. So they can support any form of movement that is challenging the institutions uh, in European uh, countries. Mm-hmm. And how can you explain now the fact that uh, Vladimir Putin himself, such a such a champion uh, of, of disinformation, seems to have uh, been so misinformed about Ukraine and uh, particularly the strength of uh, of Ukrainian army? It seems uh, he did, he totally miscalculated the, the reaction of the Ukrainian people and, and the war to his attack. No. Uh, m- maybe before answering your uh, question specifically, I think the Ukraine is an excellent example that the work of our comedy is extremely important because what we saw before the military invasion was a high extremely high uh, a movement of, of fake news but when we analyze it we see there had been years months before of where of russian disinformation campaigns against ukraine the the other issue is how, how putin could miscalculate I don't know if he anyway calculated because his plan is to put chaos and he does not respect any limits. So also the price of human lives risking uh, a lot of human rights. And I, if it's Ukrainian lives or Russian lives, he don't care. There are thousands, ten thousands people already who lost their lives on, on, on his simply uh, uh, course. But on the other side also we see that he's slightly isolated. And of course when you for years the only leader you get a little bit what normal people would call crazy uh uncalculatable mm-hmm. and therefore i think he he miscalculated his uh, own power in vis-a-vis with the other ones and what you never should underestimate is that uh, uh of course courage people like like the ukrainians they they is again you no know, they are fighting also for their model of of living and therefore Шановні присутні, а ви знаєте, я... Actually, that's what uh, Zelensky told us when he spoke to the European Parliament in, in Brussels. He told us, right now we are risking everything that's dear to us just for the right to be able to live like you. So they, they are protecting their way of life, which is also our way of life, because they, they want, they are paying now their crime is to is this wish to live like us to live in free country to join the european family of democracy and that's the unique crime that they have committed and that's what they are paying now so about how he was so misinformed I mean it's also that 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 uh, vladimir putin like all the tyrants who believe in their ideology they actually believe in it. He started to believe in his own propaganda, yes? yes? exactly. And, and that's the same case for all those who are exerting full power in history. They end up to take irrational, totally irrational decisions from our point of view, which are very rational if you enter into their logics. And when he is 
repeating to the Russian audience all the time that Ukraine is dominated by Nazis and Banderites and that NATO wants absolutely to encircle him. And at the end of the day, this becomes a logic. And, and that's our mistake often in Europe and in the West is that we don't take seriously this kind of logics. And we could analyze it from the very start that he had this logic. When he said at the beginning of his rule, when he said that the fall of Soviet Union was the worst catastrophe of the 20th century, not Auschwitz, not Hiroshima, the worst catastrophe is the fall of Soviet Union, we should have understood that if he says that and he means it, at the end of the day, he will try to re-establish the Russian Empire, including by force. And we should not forget that he is running the same disinformation campaign also in his own country. Mm. Nobody, even You're not allowed to say the word war in, in public TV because uh, most Russians don't believe that they are in war, that they invaded Ukraine. Yes. Exactly. Have, have you seen this report on, on, of Russia, Ukrainian families torn apart? Uh, a woman in Kharkiv, I think, uh, she called her Russian father and, and to say that she she's in the shelter with, with her kids and, and he doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe, believe uh, that, that, that Russian Yeah, uh, I saw also the uh, communication of a soldier, Russian soldier between his father and said, ah, I thought you were in, in Crimea. And he said, no, I'm in front of Kiev. But, so how can we fight propaganda if there is no alternative source of information like in Russia today? We need to help uh, Russians, actually, who are fighting against this propaganda because uh, you have a lot of Russians that we left alone. You know, Anna Politkovskaya died without our help, without our support. Uh, Natalia Stamirova died without our help, without our support. So we left, not only did we leave alone the Georgians, the Ukrainians for so long, but we also left the Russians who opposed Vladimir Putin alone for so long. And when our former ministers and our former head of governments were taking money from Gazprom and from other firms and companies, you had brilliant and brave Russians who were trying to alert us on the dangers of Putinism. A and now we should not make the mistake twice. Now you have a lot of Russians, uh, actors, but who happen to be uh, pro-LGBT rights, who have to leave because their theater is closed. W w you have journalists who don't have media now to express themselves anymore. You have political activists who are fleeing Russia. We should help them. You don't have now uh, EU-dedicated funds for them. But they are the ones who will be able to fight Putin propaganda. A and they are the ones who can convince Russian. It, it will not come from us. I mean, even if both of us will start to speak fluently Russian and we go on air and we speak to the Russian people, it will be less of an impact that if we just allow Russian people to do it themselves. And we should not forget these 10,000 which go on the street every day and usually thousands of them get arrested by Putin's uh, uh, police and it's also is really hard to be in, in, a, in a Russian uh, uh, prison. So we, we should, therefore, we should also be careful with our language. It's not a Russian war on mm -hmm. Ukraine, it's Putin's war, because the Russians either don't know about the war or oppose it very strongly, because anyway, they don't also see no, no sense in it. And the third point I, I wanted to make here is on, 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 on Putin is also 
Of course, he has not to take care on how his people feel. If they get more rich, if they have a, a, a good perspective for their children, if they get well educated, if they invent very important things. So, no, he, he, because the Russians themselves, let's say Putin's legacy economically is a disaster, socially is a disaster, culturally and, and bringing up the country is a disaster. The only thing he, he, he has is to play the strong men on the borders of his empire, like he's, he's calling. But of course, uh, with this iron control of the country and the information, he has not to fear opinion polls or, or public opinion, because he has something which at the moment is stronger, which is weapons and, and policemen and prisons. But at the end of the day, the truth, the democracy and the the inspiration of people is always stronger than, uh, let's say, the brutality of, of, of one dictator. And especially if he meets strong opposition also outside, because what makes his popularity from time to time in Russia, it's, of course, the propaganda, but it's also the impression that he wins. You saw? He, he, he won. That, ah, he won in, against the Chechens. Of course, he destroyed the country and there were one million and 100,000 people died, but okay. But he won. And he won against Georgia. Of course, he invaded the country and everything, but he grabbed some land. He won in 2014 uh, in Ukraine because he took back Crimea. And then he won again uh, saving Assad in Syria. So that, that's the impression he creates. And that's why it's so important for all of us first for the Ukrainians, but also for the rest of Europeans, that he does not win anymore. That he pays such a cost that there is no victory in this world. Because tyrants, they can crumble, but after they lose, they lose. They need to lose once. And it's so important that we stay united and that we raise the cost for his actions. Because every weakness from our side, if you, if you are weak and you think that by your being weak, you can buy peace and comfort, every weakness is an invitation for further aggression and for war. So now it's time to be really firm. And the idea of our committee from the start is that democracies don't have to be weak. They can be very strong. And actually, they can be much stronger than any form of tyranny and authoritarian regimes trying to destabilize us. And which EU countries are most vulnerable to disinformation? I think if we talk about vulnerability, then it is, it is the democracy itself. And it's always there where, of course, there where, let's say, are contradictions, where the political debate is already very controversial, then of course it's, it's easier for fake information to intervene negatively and, 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 and uh, destroy also public discourse. Uh, by the way, also in Brexit we saw exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It was fake news, it was a, a hell of lie, which not was anyway linked to the truth. So the debate there was also not about w should Britain be more independent or not, it was fake promises. Uh, but I, I would say, of course, uh, beside the actual situation, it is the Balkans, because, of course, they are very underlying also. 
we cannot say this perfect situation in the Balkans. The rule of law is is quite weak. The corruption is quite high. The 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 acceptance of state institutions uh, is not extremely high. But therefore, I think the lessons we have to draw is also that the fight for the rule of law, for democracy, for all this issue inside the European Union is also extremely important because this, at the end, makes uh, democracies more. Resilient and independent and quality media, I would add also, no? Yeah, yeah. And then what <laughs> means democracy? Independent quality media, uh, public debates, quality of politicians, uh, judges, but mm. also political agreement in our s- in the societies that when corruption happens, that somebody has to step down, for example. Mm-hmm. So, and this is why we have in our report. Uh, two sets of recommendations. First, you have negative ones, which is that people who are trying to interfere in our democracy should be more sanctioned, and we should have a deterrent strength of our democracy. And we should, for example, forbid uh, foreign funding of uh, our political parties. But we also have positive recommendations. And uh, you spoke about the media. It's very important for us to understand that media cannot obey only to the logic of the market. Because If we end up with uh, no investigative journalism in our democracy, with no independent media, then we won't be democracies anymore. Then we will be subjected to all the uh, disinformation campaign from everywhere. So we need to make people understand, and especially those who have the money and who have the decision-making process in their hand, that they should support investigative journalism and that we cannot afford having societies in which the whole, uh, for instance, advertising revenue is going to the social platforms that are creating the problems and that none of this uh, advertising revenue is not going anymore to the hardworking newspapers which are solving the issues created by those who get the money. So after 18 months of hearings and investigating work, uh, are you satisfied? That thanks to our what shadow the, reporter, what we, was, have a, we have a very good report. And th- thanks to the, to the, <laughs> to the, the chair of the president of, of, of the committee, uh, maybe achieved. I think we can. I, I think it is, was especially the impact of SNT, so socialist uh, members and, and our work, who made this report so interesting and so sharp and uh, without our amendments we would sit now in the Russia-Ukrainian situation and say oh another declaration with a lot of what about and so on Uh, but uh, Rafael Glucksmann was also mentioning at the beginning and also during the whole work of the comedy always this importance we do not want to create this ministry of truth and we want to protect the open society and this is of course always a, a very narrow path to walk on. Uh, and it was important to start to walking. The report is not the final stone of mm-hmm. our work. Mm-hmm. It is the starting line. It, it's the starting line. And that's very important that now the, the recommendations have to be implemented and we have to go on with our work to make sure they are implemented, to make sure that in 2024 we have free and fair elections without intervention from foreign authoritarian regimes and that we cannot allow 
Putin or people like Putin from other places uh, to play their games in, in our democracy. Because what we want to, to allow is our citizens to make free choice. If they choose to vote for the earth is flat, then that's their right. But it's not Putin's right to push them and to pour money in and to buy people and to found for, uh, political parties in order to the earth is flat to win an election in Europe. And also the earth will not flatten itself after this yeah. election. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Andreas Schieder and Raphael Lutzmann. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Take a Left. Stay safe and take care.